And now will you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. As we hear this very familiar story of creation, may we hear anew, open to new truths you have in store for us, truths that will teach us, confront us, and ultimately change us for love's sake, for our sake, and your glory. Amen. I'll be reading Genesis 1 through Genesis 2, 4. So let us listen to the word of God. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation plants yielding seed, and the fruit of trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God sent them, set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning of the fourth day. And God said, 
Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the water swarm and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind, and it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was. God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. And you can follow me in your bulletins at this point. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, 
our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Some friends of mine who are good church-going people told me about a birthday party they planned for their son one Sunday afternoon. When the invitations went out to the party, the neighbors down the street called to say, happy birthday, but unfortunately they were sorry they couldn't come to the party. Their family observes Sabbath, and they explained they only go to church together and do things as a family. Worried the birthday boy might be upset that his friends weren't coming to the party, his parents awaited their son's reaction. He considered for a moment and then said, Oh, you mean they actually do what God tells them to do. Now, I should confess that this story conflates two things. It conflates the commandment later in Scripture to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, and this account of the creation story that says that on the seventh day, God finished the work of creation and God rested. But the two are related. The command to keep Sabbath has its roots here in this creation story in which God rests. I'm intrigued that the text doesn't just say that God did all the work of creation in six days and then took a day off on the seventh day. It actually seems to make the point that the work of creation is finished in that seventh day of rest. It's not finished until God rests. The rest is integral to the story of the creation. I'm also intrigued that over and over the creation story says God created light and earth and seas and vegetation and on and on and saw that it was good. But three things in the story God blesses. I'm sure you were paying close enough attention to catch that. Three of the things are not only good, they're also blessed. On the fifth day, God blesses the sea creatures and the birds of the air. On the sixth day, God blesses humankind. And on the seventh day, God blesses rest. This rest, this blessing, seems an important note for who God is, and by extension, who we are as ones created in the image of God. And mostly, it just strikes me as so countercultural to who we actually are. I have a friend who every time I say to her, how are you? She says, good and crazy. Another friend has noted that for her family of five, life often feels like a 500-piece jigsaw puzzle with 600 pieces. I know that feeling, and maybe you do too, of never having quite enough time or energy despite my not wanting life to feel that way. But it's in the water, I'm afraid. And one way to name it, I think, would be as an idol that we have for productivity. The idea that we need to make the most of our time and not to waste it, except, of course, when that overwhelms us and we escape into the TV or the internet or the, the carton of ice cream to numb ourselves. The idol of productivity tries to tell us that our worth is based on what we achieve, our grades, our promotions, how well-rounded our children are, how engaging our retirement is. 
And we end up operating under this assumption, often subconsciously, that our worth is based on what we achieve, that our salvation lies in our own hands, which of course is not the case. God made humankind in God's image, male and female, God created them, God blessed them. Only then does God say anything about stewarding the earth and the creatures of the earth and sky. Our worth, our identity, our security, our salvation, it doesn't come from ourselves, from our ability or our productivity. It comes from God. It's a gift and a blessing. And I think this is a really important point for those of us in this room who have tremendous education and affluence because we've been taught and shaped and usually found it relatively true that we can be what we want and do what we want and mostly we've had the money to pay for it and the privilege to get it. We live in a financial and educational and religious and political system that sets up to foster that illusion in us. Except, of course, life smacks us in the face every so often with a pandemic or drug abuse or infertility or aging, and we discover that actually we can't control it all, we, we can't manage it all, and perhaps trying to is what's actually killing us. Perhaps letting go of that control, letting go of that productivity, perhaps resting is what has the potential to save us. But this idol of productivity, it's not just an issue of individual choices. It's also the culture of productivity and consumption that drives our common life, drives our economic lives. The system isn't set up for the well-being of creation. It's not set up for generativity and rest, for a pattern of those. It's set up for increasing profit margins and shareholder returns. It's not set up for the well-being of people or the thriving of families and the creation of community. It's set up to get as much out of us for as little money as possible. It's set up for each of us to be consuming machines, and it wreaks havoc on people's lives and our collective life. But it doesn't have to be this way. I was at a family reunion last weekend, and my brother-in-law loves Chick-fil-A, and he can't get it where he lives. So we went twice for lunch, and then we were contemplating going yet a third time for dinner on Saturday because, of course, they would be closed on Sunday. And so I started getting curious about what that practice of Chick-fil-A actually costs them to close on Sunday. And it turns out a 2019 article suggests that they probably lose $1.2 billion a year by being closed on Sundays. $1.2 billion a year that they leave on the table to be closed on Sunday. But they gain a lot. They communicate a value. They become known as a place that stands behind what they believe. They, they become known as a place that values its franchise owners and its workers and their families. They leave $1.2 billion on the table, but they gain more as they choose a different way. Now, I'm not saying Chick-fil-A has it all figured out by any stretch, but I think they are a good example that it's a choice we make 
to enter into the culture of productivity that has us go, 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 or to enter this pattern of life where we create and then we rest. We could choose collectively to value God's pattern of work and rest over the constant production at the expense of human well-being. If I understand this text, that's part of what it's trying to teach us, that rest from labor is an integral part of creative work. And it's part of the rhythm God created for us. Imagine with me for just a moment how valuing rest might reshape our communities. What if working 40 hours a week guaranteed an adult enough money to live and to care for a child? What if parents were given real paid leave when a child is born or adopted or they needed to care for a family member? What if we reorganized the values of our culture so that child care workers and nursing home caregivers and teachers were paid what they're actually worth and honored for their labor? What if we valued mental health care such that people could live healthy and free? We could choose collectively to value God's pattern of work and rest over this unrelenting productivity machine of our current systems. I'm not entirely sure how we get from here to there, but we could choose it with our votes, with how we spend our time and our money, with our focus, how we focus our energy and our attention. We could choose God's pattern together. The rhythms of this creation story put in my mind the image of breathing, of inhaling and exhaling. It was evening, it was morning. It's creating, it's resting. Inhale, exhale. Evening, morning, create, rest, repeat. God put that pattern right into our origin story. And I wonder why we don't choose to live that way more often. Here's my truth. I've got 42 years of life under my belt, and God willing, I have many more. I've been richly blessed with family and friends and experiences and education. I've been privileged to be born into a financially comfortable family in an incredibly wealthy nation. My skin color affords me privilege. I benefit from the many women who've trod the road of equal rights before me. And even with all that, still I've been governed for most of my 42 years by shoulds and oughts, by fear and anxiety that have dictated my actions much more than the longings of my heart. I've said yes to countless things I didn't want to do because I was afraid of disappointing someone. I've stayed hidden rather than risking connection with others. I've lost sleep trying to get one more thing done so that I'd have my act together and not expose my soft underbelly. And I've certainly sought after the security and well-being of my own family much more often than I've sought after the well-being for those on the margins. But friends, God offers us something else. Right from the beginning, from the earliest days of creation, God offers us something else. And I think, and I, I pray, that the good news God longs for us to hear 
is that we're created good. We are blessed. And in this creation story, God is saying to us, Jessica, Jenny, Rick, Beth, Bill, you are created good. You are blessed. You can work and you can rest in that assurance. The good news God offers us is a pattern by which we live. I'm offering you a way that is good, very good, in fact, God says. A pattern of stewardship and enjoyment, of creating and resting, of inhaling and exhaling. Live into that, God invites us. Instead of chasing down your to-do list or trying even harder. Now, I can't speak for you, but I desperately want to live in that God-given pattern. I'd like that pattern to become my default. I'd like it to become the well-worn grooves that govern my days. And I'd like it to be true for you, too. And I'd like it to be true for the single mom down the street who's trying to work two jobs and care for her children. I'd like for it to be true for the migrants who gather each morning at the Home Depot hoping to pick up some work for the day. It's the blessing of Sabbath. And it's not given just to me or just to you. It wasn't pronounced to us as individuals. It was given to all of creation. Just like the gift of breath. Inhale. Exhale. Steward. Enjoy. Create. Rest. And repeat. Friends, may we find that pattern to our lives, and may we work to reshape our communities accordingly. God creates, and it was good. God looked at all creation, and it was very good. And God rested. And that day, God blessed. Amen.